Hey everybody, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Coach here, coming to you on the podcast every week. Hey, you know something? Being in the height of summer, last week and this week, because of the heat, I really focused in on uh, irrigation. That is, at least on the YouTube channel, I did. I did a little bit on this as well, but I really focused on the YouTube channel regarding uh, designing and construction of irrigation, being that during the summertime, it's called upon more than any other time of year. Here on this episode, we are taking a slightly different tact or a different twist on water. I hope you learn something and take away some things that make one pause and think a little bit. Hey, it's time to roll. Let's get going. Hey, I'm Matt. You can call me coach. Every Friday, I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, Maestro and I have been very, very fortunate in the last couple of years. And being fortunate, we've had the opportunity to see many aspects of this continent called North America. I have seen landscapes that would boggle the mind, both natural, you know, mother nature landscapes and man-made ones as well. I have seen the disaster firsthand. I have seen the disaster that is forming in the desert southwest with the massive shrinkage of the water availability down there via Lake Mead and Lake Powell. I have seen overabundance of water through excessive winter precipitation in the northwest, the Pacific Northwest, and I have seen firsthand the water disaster in a single rain event in places like Waverly, Tennessee last year. So many drastic opposites when it comes to water in this country and this world. Very heavy levied restrictions in some places and so wasteful usage of water in others. Do you ever think about it at all? I mean, really, really think about what may happen. We call ourselves the United States of America, yet I hear so many people in different parts of the country, especially the water-laden states, that they hate to see our water go to those people who need it. Those people who have very little left, surface water or groundwater. Yet, we have an electrical grid that powers up our entire continent, and it's all interconnected. And it goes all over this country and continent with electricity that is shared, but not water. Not water very much. It is pretty much where it stays is where it has fallen, and we ain't sharing none of it. There's a lot of mentality out there that kind of goes along the lines of F California. F Arizona, F Southern Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada, Texas, Colorado, and parts of other states that are in historic drought levels. It's historic, like never seen in recorded man-made time. That is how a lot of people feel. The old adage that, uh, oh, those, those Californians, you know, they, they made their bed, now they can lay in it. 
the United States of America, huh? Well, maybe there is some truth to it, maybe not. Let's take just a little deeper look at it. You know, I have been to the Southwest, where urban sprawl in the Phoenix area and other parts of Arizona uh, has spread like a Western US wildfire over the past 20 years. The water for most of those cities comes from a huge diverted amount of the Colorado River, hundreds of miles away in Lake Powell and Lake Mead. Those waters there also serve Southern California. It also serves, you know, parts of Nevada. It doesn't even make it to the Gulf of Mexico anymore. Is it possible the amount of demand now has exceeded the amount of old mother nature can provide, at least right now? or maybe ever. I have seen parts of Southern Oregon that have dry man-made lakes. At one time, they were a recreational and water source for a small community in Southern Oregon. They plain just don't exist. To me, dry lakes are really kind of a scary thing to see. I have seen lakes in my old home state of California down 70 and 80% of capacity in freaking March. I have read about the sinking of land levels as a result of dropping underground aquifers in the southern central valley of California because the groundwater is being sucked up tremendously for people use and agricultural use. And there's only so much down there and there's not a lot of replenishment, certainly not now. Yet despite all these warning signs, despite the writing on the wall, New homes and new communities are popping up all over the drought-stricken areas. New homes are built. New wells, community wells are drilled. Maybe they have to go a lot deeper now than ever before to get the water table, but they still are doing it. Still. The thirsty fountains of Las Vegas still need to be an attraction for the masses, and how much of those things are susceptible to just plain evaporation every single day. You know, from a landscape perspective, some places are starting to heed the warning. Many municipalities are not allowing new builds to have lawns at all. They require drip irrigation only. It is a good start, but will it be enough and is it in time? In my lifetime, I have seen such a dramatic difference in water usage for the good. Gutter flutters out west? Those people are snitched off to local gendarme water police really, really quickly. Washing cars without a shutoff valve on the hose is not the norm any longer. You just don't do it. Yet I still see those same cities, the ones that send out the water police, those same cities that have cityscapes being watered by inefficient spray heads in the afternoon hours because their timers are all wonky. As a result, hundreds and hundreds of gallons are wasted. Big Brother isn't always right, and Big Brother doesn't always follow the rules. My point is this. This is not an us versus them battle. This is a call for a huge paradigm shift in thinking, in my humble estimation. A total re-examination of what and how we approach the use of water. The me, 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 and mine, mine, mine won't work long term if the current, shall we say, natural world continues on the path that it is. You know, the second most important element in our world, 
on our planet, second only to the air we breathe. We have become so greedy and so wasteful and blind to how we just take it for granted. What happens? What happens when that tap dries up? When there is water, water everywhere, when the reservoirs are full, we tend to forget really quickly the droughts, the water lacking hardships, and the cry out when water is wasted. We tend to forget about it really quick. That's just because we're humans and we're fallible and we're short-minded when it comes to some things. Supposedly, we are the highest life form on this planet. Minds capable of great and amazing things. But we seem to be our own worst enemy. Destroying jungles and rainforests and compounding the issues in the natural world for our own ill-gotten gain. Sharing does not seem to be a popular topic. Yet those same selfish parts of the country and world, you waterlogged states and countries, are the same people who go to the grocery store every week and buy those yummy produce items that were grown in the areas that are suffering now, or soon will be. You have no problem with that. Thinking of where that fruit or vegetable originated, the hard work, time, and water resources it took to create it, and eventually get it to you to feed your selfish faces, but think nothing of it because it's right there for easy purchase in front of you. But what if, what if, no water, no crops? What happens when the government steps in and says, you can't water no more. There is no more water except for the use of human consumption. And yet food is consumed by humans. You know, I recently met a man who I am glad to call a new friend. He is an honest man, a good family man, with a good family, a great home in one of these northern states that I speak of. But one thing I do not agree with is his overuse of his domestic water. Because of a previous owner, he sprinkles his native mountain landscape multiple times a week in addition to his ornamental landscape around his house. Thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons every week wasted on portions of a landscape that is meant, was created, and has evolved to survive the drier parts of the summer in the northern mountains. Native trees, perennials, and ground covers are saturated with more water than they ever need or in some cases want. Certainly a waste. It looks nice. Man, it's green. It's lush, but not natural according to the season and the way these native plants are meant to cycle through the dry, go to seed and reproduce. It's not natural. And to do it under the guise of fire prevention, that type of thing, okay. But I think that's a human justification and it's certainly not a natural need. But the conservation thought process is not present in my friend. You can tell. He came from a drought-stricken Southern California region, an area where farmers now are folding up their collective tents and quitting. Orchards are being allowed to die because it's too expensive to water or too expensive to drill new wells if those wells can even find water. Where ranchers are selling off their herds of cattle and finding another line of work because it's just too expensive to just buy hay and keep feeding them because their natural range on the rancher's land 
as dry as a bone, and the grass has never grown for several years. So what are your thoughts? I'm curious. Seriously, I am really curious. If water still comes out of the tap, there is no shortage. Are you of that kind of mind? Or are you the opposite? A radical shift to using little to no water for landscape usage at all. Or maybe, maybe, somewhere in the middle. Maybe your landscape is dedicated to providing food for you and your family. The water is used and doled out in the smallest increments allowed to accomplish the task at hand, to get a harvest, to feed your animals of which you use and consume, to supply for your personal needs, and you call it good. Not many people are quite that homesteadish. A very, very micro, micro fraction of everybody in this country and probably around the world. I am shocked that there are some places now that are heavily regulating or banning even banning rain harvesting. To what end? I am still looking into that. I don't really know why. But rain harvesting is a way of curbing municipal and public water usage and dedicate it to landscape use for sustainable human use. Not just ornamentals, but you can actually harvest from it as well. Please tell me the downside to this. I really don't know. You know, the last major drought in California from... Uh, like 2010 through 2015, a historic drought for that state. That drought was what kept me in business as a landscape contractor and designer. During a major recession at that time as well, landscaping ground to a halt in many, many ways. Many landscapers did not survive and found other means of making a living. They got out from underneath landscape contracting. For me, I turned to lawnless landscape conversions, tearing out old thirsty lawns, redoing wasteful sprinkler systems, and installing drip irrigation and landscapes requiring as much as 90% less water. And I'm not talking uh, cactus. I'm not talking a southwest arid desert landscape. I'm talking about plants that when drip irrigated and ground covers that don't use a lot of water, you know, people were throwing thousands and thousands of gallons a week on their landscape just to keep a green lawn. And now, with a 90% savings, they found out a few things. It was not easy, but I stayed afloat. I also learned some huge, valuable lessons. Those lessons are kind of like, a landscape lawn is nice, but certainly it's not a necessity, and it is not needed. People, people on water meters, those customers that I had that were on meters really saved a lot of money on their monthly water bill. Imagine, I, I have seen people with three and $400 water bills reduce them down to less than hundred bucks a month or more converting over to just a drip irrigation system. Using more from a designer's aspect, using more creativity in landscaping design and water use was invigorating at least to this old codger, this old designer, and it really invigorated my creative mind to come up with different and better and more functional landscapes for people. Not only that, but giving folks far less landscape maintenance over the course of a year and year to year was appealing to a lot of people. A lot of people just gave up and garage sailed their, their lawnmowers. They had no more need for them at all. Their backyard and front yards had no grass to mow whatsoever. Maybe it can be right for you. 
Maybe it can be right for you starting today. Maybe after you're done listening to this, you know, go home and take a look. Re-examine how you use it, how you approach the water that comes into that pipe underground and comes up and serves your family. How are you using it? What could you do to change and what could you do to share? Now, I don't have answers to questions as big as state to state or country to country water shares. That, that calls for minds bigger than mine and infrastructure that would be needed to put in place over many decades, many, many decades. We don't need to rob states or countries of their precious resource. Good God, no. We can buy it. We can pay them and allow for more water retention and replenishments of underground water sources. Take a look at this. Here's an example that I thought about. Alaskans benefit from oil leaving their state every single day. So why cannot other states do the same with water? I'm not talking about turning those water-laden states into deserts. I'm not talking about draining their reservoirs. Just taking excess and maybe sharing it. Maybe for a profit. I know that when Maestro and I settle down again, and I have a home of my own, I'll guarantee you this. It will be the greenest-minded, greenest-minded landscape that I could afford. I know I will reduce my usage compared to past years. I know that I will provide food for my family and enough to share with others. It will not be larger that I can easily maintain as I get older. I do not want ever again to be a slave, to both physically and mentally, I don't want to be a slave to a home. I will live within my means. I will be debt-free. I will live simply and lead a wholesome and uncomplicated life despite all that surrounds us in the world today. This episode is not meant to scare anybody. It's more of a personal expression of my thoughts based on actual observations that I have seen, reported accounts of investigating reporters that I've seen on mainstream media, and a sense of foreboding that's inside me that is to come if we don't rethink with our higher brains how we treat the natural world and all of its vast resources. I am one of the biggest fans of Mother Nature. I really am. I enjoy a lot of the places and the perks and things that, I, that have been created in the natural world. The beauty and the symbiosis and the sense that one thing affects another, good or bad, in Mother Nature really intrigues me. It really does. That delicate balance. How do you feel about that balance globally right now? I hope we can take a page from Mother Nature and see what is happening. Maybe in my lifetime, but probably not. I hope that we can learn to use the technology and our higher brains to create, to help situations like droughts, curb population growth with a rethinking, and slow down the urban sprawl. Take care of the homes we have so they last longer, so we don't have to keep building brand new ones all the time. Plus, learn that bigger and better is not always the best life practice to follow. That alternatives are out there, and many times, simple, small, and easy is so much less stressful. And not a direct reflection on your lack of success, your lack of self-actualization, or your lack of higher society, shall we say. Hey guys, if you have any questions on sustainable landscapes, water usage in the landscape, or landscapes in general, 
you have a resource right here. If I do not have a direct and immediate answer, I can find one and hopefully the correct one for you. Hey, as always, check out the website if you get a chance. If you're considering a landscape project for yourself or someone in your circle of influence, you might want to check out the very inexpensive ebook and the home course, both very sensibly priced for what you get. As always, to your landscape success, Hey, this is Coach saying goodbye for now. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.